0: Hey everybody, I'm Connor. That's Doug, and this is the Bethel School District Presents Podcast, and it is the most wonderful time of the year, especially in my house when we aimlessly scroll through the channels until we find TBS, which is undoubtedly playing A Christmas Story, for the 53rd time in a row. And I found myself in an odd position last night when I realized that I no longer relate to the character of Ralphie. I've passed that Rubicon, and I now relate to Ralphie's father.
1: Fragile! It must
0: be Italian. Well, I think that's says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. Like Ralphie's dad, I find myself battling furnaces, unleashing strings of unmentionable expletives, and it's all in the name of providing my family with the best Christmas ever done. The whole thing got me thinking. Which holiday movie character do you most
1: relate to? Connor, I love A Christmas Story. That's a great movie. I love the character of the old man. That doesn't mean I love you, but I love the character of the old man. I also love that he's called the old man in the credits. I think that's hilarious. As for me, I love Christmas so much, so I could never be a Grinch. I could never be a Scrooge. I don't know if I love it as much as Clark Griswold or Elf. Definitely as much as John McClane. making fists with my toes as we record. However, my pick is going to have to be good old Charlie Brown. Good grief. Exactly. I love a Charlie Brown Christmas. I especially love Lucy setting up her little counseling booth for five cents. And speaking of counselors, Connor, I was over at Natchez Trail Elementary School, and I spoke with Sarah Avila. She is the counselor over there and recently presented to the school board about work she's been doing to help our students, quote, become better humans, end quote. I really love that turn of phrase, and I knew I wanted to talk to her on the podcast. So the first thing I asked her was who in her life helped her become a better human.
2: So in my life, when I think of becoming a better human, it would have been my parents. They were great role models. My father served in the military, and I think he kind of just showed what it is to sacrifice, but in a way that was healthy because he was always a dad first, which I appreciated. Um, My mom is the bravest person that I know. And then my husband has been the most supportive human. We met in high school. We're high school sweethearts. And he's just always stood beside me with my goals and never made me follow, but just walked right beside me and encouraged me. And my kids make me a better human because I watch them look at the world with such curiosity and amazement. And I just want to be the best version of myself so that the world they're entering is one that they feel inspired by and encouraged to enter.
1: That is an amazing family to come from, it sounds like. And we both know some of our students don't have that kind of family support. Is that something you took into consideration when you decided to become a school counselor?
2: It was something I took into consideration. I want to be somebody for students that makes them feel seen and heard and valued. And I want them to have the skills to go out into the world. And when they meet an obstacle, know that they it's, it's not in their way to stop them. It's just something that they can work through and problem solve to get over. So I want to teach them how to be confident and also compassionate and go into the world just, again, inspired to just take it on and do their best.
1: That confidence is so important. What kind of tools do you give them to help them problem solve?
2: Yeah, so in our counselor lessons, what we really focus on is regulation skills, because I really feel when students are able to identify how they feel and then regulate those feelings, they're able to handle a problem in a more safe way, in a safe way not only for themselves, but for others. And I really tell them, it's okay to say you're mad. It's okay to say you're sad. There are no bad feelings. It's how we handle those feelings. And as long as we're handling them in a safe way, in a respectful way with others, then we're doing the best we can and we're becoming those better humans.
1: I think that answer shows the experience and dedication that you are bringing here to Natchez Trail. You're also bringing something else. The presentation you gave the school board was centered around a program you've been working through for the past two years. It's called RAMP. Can you tell us a little bit about that program and what got you interested in it?
2: So RAMP is the recognized Ask a Model program. It's from the American School Counselor Association and what ASCA allows counselors to do is really develop a school counseling program. So when I say that I run the school counseling department and Achie Trail, sometimes I chuckle with it because it is just me. But I really do feel like it is a department. It is a program. We have a mission, we have a vision, we ha- I when I say we because the administration helps me. but I have a very specific plan on how I'm looking at data for our students and finding proactive ways to really approach that data. And what RAMP is, is it's basically meaning you're operating at the top tier of the ASCA program. You are doing your SMART goals, you're tracking those SMART goals, and you're making sure you're being as proactive as you can. So it's a two-year process. The first year is really just planning and implementing. And then the second year is when you have those SMART goals defined. You have an advisory council of stakeholders coming in, helping guide your work, and you're just operating on all cylinders. It was a, v- a very busy year last year getting that RAMP application in, but it was work that I'm just really proud of.
1: Well, that work you're doing is directly impacting students. Before we move on, RAMP Recognize ASCA Model Program and ASCA American School Counselors Association. It's a acronym within an acronym, acronymception. But it sounds like it's doing great work.
2: It is doing great work. It really provides the framework for school counselors to put. A really proactive program into place. If you were to compare it to something it would probably be very comparable to the Danielson framework for teachers, giving them that framework and standards to work off of. That's what ASCA provides school counselors.
1: That's a great analogy and before we get into the specifics of RAMP let's talk about the sheer volume of work that you're doing. So let's talk numbers. Tell us about the number of classroom lessons, small groups, and individual sessions that you as a counselor do over the course of a year.
2: So in the last school year, I completed 276 classroom lessons. They're really based on three specific units. So the first unit is bully prevention. It's three months long. It was an area our school really saw we needed to move the needle in. We had a problem with it. And so I knew I wanted to go in and devote a very – comprehensive proactive approach and really giving students the adequate time to practice how to stand up to bullying and recognizing bullying. So that was three months. And then the next unit was zones of regulation, teaching students how to identify their feelings and finding regulation skills to handle those feelings. And then the third unit is career, because we really do feel at Natchez Trail, we are a career school. And so our students dive into what is a career? How do you interview? They do mock interviews, they do resumes, they do budgeting, which is very eye-opening for a lot of them when they ha- get their salary then to look at, can I afford this mansion that I thought I was going to live in? So that's has been a very unique i think unit that they've all enjoyed too
1: that's a great unit. that's something we hear about high school students learning and here at natchez trail elementary school kids getting budgets and buying mansions
2: yeah i mean attempting to buy mansions they all usually go into debt by the end and have to revise their budget but it goes into those skills that i want them to have when they're adults because i think in school I am not qualified, right, to teach them math or teach them English. I've got amazing coworkers who can do that. But I want our kids to have skills that they're going to use for the rest of their lives to become those better humans, to become capable adults. And I think budgeting and interviewing and, and resume building, those are all things that they're going to take for the rest of their lives, I hope.
1: Absolutely. So 270 classroom lessons that you've done. How about small groups?
2: Small groups were 194. So the small groups really honed in on those students who needed more practice on those zones of regulation skills. And then in the second semester, so I do my small groups, I like to think of them in two series. So I have a fall winter series because they're 10 weeks long. And then I have a spring series, which is another 10 weeks long. And that second small group, focused on building study skills and test taking strategies for our students who really struggled on that English language arts ESPA. So I was able to identify those students, bring them in and just have them practice. How do you answer word problems? How do you take out the answers you know are wrong and just narrow down into the two left because it usually comes down to two and then go back to the text and find the evidence to show you the right answer. Again, it's another skill I think they'll take with them for the rest of their lives when they go to college they go to technical school wherever they go this test taking strategies i hope is something or their drivers test we want good drivers out on the road <laughs> that that they'll be able to use I also run our leadership group and a kindness club. So I run our fifth grade. We call them the trail guides. They are guiding our trail because we're Natchez Trail. So they do a lot of tutoring and they're out in the lunchroom supporting and they're junior coaches on the playground. And they help me with, we do a pet drive every year where we raise money and items for the Tacoma Humane Society. And they help me with our food drive so that's been really amazing and then i started a kindness club for fourth graders so they're just out in the hallways greeting kids yesterday they were in a kindergarten class reading to kindergartners about kindness so that's been uh, really rewarding too so last year is 194 small groups and then about 50 student club meetings wow let's
1: talk now about individual sessions this really jumped out at me because you gave a number during the school board meeting and then you said but these are just meetings that are 10 minutes or longer. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so my individual sessions I count in, it's 193. They are primarily focused on grief, family support, But I only counted them if they are more than 10 minutes because if I were to count all the meetings that were under 10 minutes with kids, it would probably be in the thousands. And I think that's a number that all school counselors and social workers could identify with because a large part of our job is just building relationships with kids. I love to ask kids about their football game or their gymnastics or whatever they are doing on the weekend and, and checking in on them. And sometimes that's under five minutes. So the 193 was really if it went 10 minutes or longer that student needed you know, a regulation skill taught to them in that moment, or just needed additional time to really feel heard and valued.
1: In your report to the school board, you specifically mentioned bullying and talking to kids about cyberbullying and gossiping and using a technique called stop, walk, and talk. Can you tell me about that and how that's helping?
2: So when I came into Natchez Trail three years ago, I asked our teachers, what is our curriculum on bullying? And they showed me the district curriculum. And while I thought it was great because it had all the key terms students need and it had the bullying pledge, just a piece that I thought needed to be added in was teaching kids how to respond to bullying in a way that, again builds those confident skills. So we found the stop, walk, talk method, and it's really simple, and it's exactly how it sounds. The kids practice using stop in an assertive voice, and we talk about what assertive means, and then we talk about walking away and then reporting bullying to an adult. So stop, walk, talk. I'm very appreciative of our staff because they all bought into it, And students use it and they come up to me often and go, Miss Vila, I told this student to stop and they did. And they just get this kind of smile on their face that, you know, they did it, they accomplished it. And that makes me feel good because I tell them bullying isn't just something you're going to face as a kid. Bullying can happen when you're an adult. When you know when you're in the workplace. And so I want you to have the skills, be practicing them now, but have those skills ready for when you face that as an adult. So you know you can overcome that and handle it in an appropriate and safe way. Cyberbullying was an area that I thought needed to be addressed a little bit more because it's an area that our kids are facing all of our kids are on screens more. And I wanted students to really understand what it means to be safe online, that words matter even if it's online and I wanted them to have the skills to know how to recognize cyberbullying and then do something about it.
1: And cyberbullying, it seems, is just getting worse as kids younger and younger are on more and more different social media platforms. You mentioned earlier, let's talk a little bit more about how you as a counselor are helping move the needle on academics. I know you have some data on this.
2: So last year when I was making the SMART goal for what I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to find an area that had an opportunity gap for some of our more historically marginalized student groups. And I saw when I looked at our Smarter Balanced Assessment English Language Arts scores that our students of color scored lower than their white counterparts. And I wasn't okay with that, and I wanted to do something about it. And so I identified those students, and I placed them into a small group. There was 14 of them. And over 10 weeks, we just practiced those test-taking skills. Again, it goes back to that confidence, building their confidence, using positive self-talk strategies, and just having them practice over and over and over those test-taking strategies. I often would tell them, I can't teach you math, but I can teach you feelings, and I can teach you how to build the confidence to do this. And that's what we did. And when I got their scores back, it was pretty amazing. So 14 started at level one, which is well below grade level for ELA. Eight of them moved out of that level one. Four of them actually are at grade level now, and one is above grade level, which was just mind blowing. That just giving students strategies making them feel like they could accomplish something, building that positive self-talk could really pay off.
1: That's amazing. And it shows the work that you're doing, not only helping kids emotionally, but academically as well. Since you're the counselor here at Natchez Trail, the new Natchez Trail Elementary School, I have to ask, you just moved into the new school in October. And of course, thank you to our voters for supporting the 2019 bond that made that possible, building this new school. How has this new school improved the way you're able to help students?
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you to the voters. This is a beautiful, wonderful building and we all love being here. What this school has given me as a school counselor is the space to be able to reach more students at my old office. It was very small. My small groups, I was lucky if I could maybe squeeze six kids into a room. But with this building, we have so much space in so many areas for students to meet. So my small groups now are 10 to 12 kids. So that's more kids I'm being able to work with and help build those skills, build those confidence skills so that they can have what they need to be those better humans.
1: And your office is lovely. We're sitting in it right now. And one of the things you have up on your walls is an inside out poster. The Pixar Pixar movie that deals with emotions. Is this your favorite Pixar movie or is there another one and why?
2: This is my favorite Pixar movie. I, I would be surprised if any school counselor didn't say it was there, it's just because it really just focuses on emotions and that no emotions are bad. It's okay to be sad and there can actually be joy found within sad times because it reminds us of all the things we have to be grateful for and that is something in my small groups we always end with we call it a gratitude wall and each week they write down a person who keeps them in the green zone so who keeps them calm keeps them happy and I think it just reminds kids that We have so much in our lives that can just make us feel good and that we should just be thankful for and just really focusing on that. So I think Inside Out represents that for me. It's just all emotions are okay. It's how we handle those emotions and to be grateful even for the sad times.
1: Absolutely, I love that journaling technique too. That's a wonderful thing to teach kids. Sarah, you have over a hundred hours invested in the RAMP process and even more invested working with students here at the school. Thank you so much for what you do for our students. Thanks for joining us today. And before I let you go, we're going to circle back to the top of the show. Connor and I kick things off talking about what holiday movie character we most associate with and why. I want to ask you the same question.
2: So I did think about this. And the one I came to repeatedly was Cindy Lou Who from Jim Carrey's The Grinch. One, because she's got great hair. I love a character with great (laughs) hair. Second, because I think she saw somebody who was excluded and on the outskirts and she went out of her way to make them feel included. And when I think about my trailblazers and the work I'm doing, I want every student to feel included and valued and seen. And I think Cindy Lou Who did that. So I hope each day I'm living up to Miss Cindy Lou Hu.
1: Well, from where I'm sitting, it seems like you are. And the data shows that. Sarah Avila, thank you so much for joining us today. And happy holidays. welcome. welcome. Great interview, as
0: always, Doug. I love how passionate she comes across. I bet the kids absolutely love her.
1: Man, you got to see it to believe it. I got to stand with her in the hallway as she welcomed kids into school after our interview, and there was no shortage of hugs, conversations. One little girl even handed her a note as the girl walked away. She read it and just smiled, the biggest smile. One thing I did notice, a lot of the kids came up and asked her a question. They asked, what zone was she in? She would say green, and then asked them what zone they were in. They would say green. Oh, interesting. What zone she's in, what could that mean? Great question, and I actually asked her that right afterwards.
2: So that's the zones of regulation. That's that classroom unit. I really wanted to give students the skills to know that it's okay to ask people what zone they're in, that it's actually a really great thing to do is kind of check in on people. So a lot of times students in the morning will go, "Miss Savila, what zone are you in? And on my badge, I have the zones of regulation. And I'll say green, and a lot of the times I get green back which is great, but sometimes I'll get students say, I'm in the blue zone today. And so I'll say, why are you in the blue zone? Well, I'm, I'm feeling a little tired. And I'll say, all right, so then I tell them a joke or tell them to do five jumping jacks, something to try to wake them up to get them to that green zone before they go into class. But morning greetings are my favorite part of the day. It's the first opportunity, I think, for students to feel seen and heard. And I like to be out there to let them know that I see them, I hear them, and I value them.
1: So you talked about green and blue. What are the other two zones?
2: The way I kind of talk about the zones is your brain. When you're blue zone, your brain's asleep. It's not really awake. You can't do your best learning. So tired, sad. Then if we can get you woken up or regulated, you get to the green zone. You're happy. You're calm. That's where you do your best learning. Yellow zone is when you're starting to lose control. Frustration, stress, Excitement, And then red zone is when you're out of control. You're really angry, super terrified, things of that nature.
0: That is very interesting and a very cool thing for kids to
1: learn. What about you, Doug? What's your zone right now? I'm green all day, baby. How about you? I'm feeling purple. That wasn't one of the four zones that she mentioned. What's what's purple mean? It means the podcast is over. We hope you all have an
0: amazing winter break. We will see you back here with a fresh episode on January
1: 4th.